Eric Roberts is a fucking man He's the greatest fucking actor since acting began We should give him every medal, every trophy and award He's the greatest fucking actor that you've ever seen or ever heard Truth is out there. It's episode number 85 of Eric Roberts is the fucking man, the world's most spine-tangling Eric Roberts-related podcast. I'm Doug Tilly, and joining me as usual is the bastard son of a thousand maniacs, Liam O'Donnell. How are you doing, Liam? I'm okay, Doug. I'm okay. Only okay, Liam. You know, Liam, this is, a lot of our um, friends, our social media friends. I don't know those people. Well, I know you don't know them, but they are people who kind of surround us, uh, our universe in some way. Uh, they are very excited about this time of the year because of the impending Halloween. Again, we're still in our Halloween-themed episodes. Another Woo! horrific, scary, spooky movie we're going to be talking so about. So spooky. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a very spooky time. But Liam, it sounds to me like you're feeling a little down. Uh, no, just tired. I was at the uh, Brooklyn Horror Film Fest. Oh, that's right. And when it ended, instead of beginning our journey home which you know it's not that long hour and a half hour 45 back to the lehigh valley we decided to get food and then we got caught in a traffic jam and long story short i got home at like 1 30 in the morning and that's just a little late for for dad liam for for 20 something liam 1 is great but for dad liam i feel fucked we we don't usually get to talk about like contemporary films uh on this podcast liam was there anything at this horror festival that you think that people should check out oh yeah i would say of the four well i also went thursday night for one movie so of the five movies i've seen four of them i could recommend without hesitation knife plus heart um welcome to mercy luz and starfish luz why does that sound familiar liam uh, it, it played Fantastic Fest, and it's the sales company on it is friend of the show Joe Yannick's uh, new company, Yellow Veil something. Mm-hmm. Um, they're they're like the sales people for it. Uh, and they're, Joe, they're... Joe, Joe guested on a recent episode. Yep, and the, he also is representing the the other movie they both played uh, last night, uh, Starfish. Starfish. So they're both really good. Uh, Luz is is more traditional horror. But I say that that's not really true. It's a fucking nightmare that doesn't make any sense, but it's very compelling. You know, it's like one of those movies where you don't need to understand everything that's happening to be disturbed by it. Whereas Starfish is more like a almost like a sci-fi metaphor film about loss and grief and things. Uh, Mm -hmm. Very well done, but not what I would call a traditional horror film in any way, shape or form. Is this a well-run festival, Liam? Uh, based upon my experience of it, it seems like it, it's a lot of venues. They've they've grown. It's a third year, so they've grown, and it's a lot more to manage. So I don't know if everyone's experience was as uh, the same as mine. Uh, and I was only there for Thursday night, and then yesterday uh, on Saturday all day. Uh, but yeah, my experience it, it seemed everything went pretty smooth. Okay, okay. And, Sh- okay. shut shut up. Uh, Today's returning guest is a writer, editor, podcaster, uh, and I wrote returning guest twice. It's Stephanie Crawford. Hey, hey. Stephanie, it's so good to have you back on Eric Roberts is the fucking man, the podcast about the life and work of actor Eric Roberts. Yeah, and it's great to be back. 
It's great to have you. I'm just going to talk about how great it is to have you here, Stephanie. But okay. we got to we had to get down to brass tacks. Stephanie, it's the spookiest time of the year. I know that you appreciate the spooky stuff that's out there. Liam just gave us a, a list of movies that he saw recently. What's the movie you saw recently that scared you the most? Ooh, actually full out scared. Yes, I know it's difficult because we're all, all of us on this uh, podcast right now, we, we're, we've, we're hardened to the old uh, scares in a lot of movies. We've watched too many and it has ruined our ability to be scared, but sometimes it still happens. Stephanie, what did you watch recently? Oh, actual scared. I know, right? It is difficult. While you're thinking about that, I'm going to go over to Liam with that same question. Liam, what movie scared you recently? Liam, I don't, actually, I don't sideways, know. sideways to that question, Liam. Do you find yourself more susceptible to films which have children being threatened now that you have a child of your own? Uh, this is actually a great question because thank you. The the last year Brooklyn Horror Film Fest, and then this year Brooklyn Horror Film Fest, mm-hmm. I just managed to randomly pick films in which children are threatened. Last year was a little movie called uh, Hagazusa. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wouldn't say that movie scared me, but there's a certain part. That I won't ruin for people who haven't seen it, which as a parent really fucked my shit up, really fucked it up, really, really was bad. Uh, and then this year, there was also a, a movie that featured some threatening things towards a child that uh, wasn't quite as disturbing as Hagasusa, but it, it definitely was it definitely was rough. It was rough for me. Now, I haven't given up on those movies. I'm not like I can't mm-hmm. watch a movie with, you know, children in danger, but they do affect me in a very different way than they used to. So. Remaining with the question at hand before, I'm actually just giving Steph a couple of minutes to think about her own answer. Any movies that scared you recently, Liam? <sighs> Look, this is a safe place. You can talk about things that frighten you. It's okay. No, 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 no. no, no. This is, uh, I hate to, I hate to say this because it feels a little corny because I've, I've watched mm-hmm. a lot of movies lately, but not that many that scared me. Uh, but one that did give me anxiety, and it was along this idea of the parenting thing, was uh, Hereditary. Yeah. Um, and not so much towards the end when it really turns into a full-on, you know, uh, supernatural horror film. But uh, the anxiety of the tragedy in the film and thinking about that as a parent gave me a kind of anxiety that horror films don't usually give me. And so uh, that was a new experience. That I was like, wow, I feel uncomfortable and afraid in a way that I don't usually feel at a horror movie. I will say that one of the things about that movie, more so than a lot of the horror films I've watched recently, is that there were parts while sitting in the theater where I started to think, I don't want to look at what's going to come next. Like, I don't want to experience right. this anymore. And it was a discomfort that was, you know, pretty unfamiliar. It's hard to create that sort of uh, tension, if you can even call it that. Right. Back to Stephanie Crawford, our guest this week on Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man. What's a scary movie you watch, Stephanie? Okay, I thought about it, and I will have to go with The Founder. Mm. It stars uh, Michael Keaton as Roy Kroc. Yes. Mm-hmm. And um, I enjoyed it quite a bit. I thought it was very well made. I, But I, I fell in love with the McDonald's brothers, and mm. I thought it was terrifying how you can have a Michael Keaton just steamroll in there and steal the company that's named after you. So if you're afraid of capitalism, Mm -hmm. it's terrifying. Yeah. (laughs) Liam heard the word capitalism and he had to show his disdain vocally. (laughs) Yeah, no, I I really feel that and I think it really makes a lot of sense. Oh, okay. 
Well, I mean, I agree too. I just uh, usually I'm the host of the show, so I don't just step all over my own hosting. How could I possibly do that? But Liam, I appreciate your anti-capitalist leanings. Uh, obviously, I feel very similar, and I did not expect Stephanie for you to pick a movie that would be mostly, I think, generally considered a biographical drama of some sort. But d- then again, what is more terrifying than capitalism, Liam? Nothing. Speaking of the founder, uh, the founder of this podcast, one of them is Eric Roberts. And we're going to talk about the latest Eric Roberts news on The Roberts Report. It's The Roberts Report for episode number 85 of Eric Roberts is the fucking man. And as per usual, we start with a deep dive on the man himself's Twitter feed. You can follow Eric Roberts on Twitter. At Eric Roberts, all one word. Recently, Eric Roberts was tweeting about the upcoming movie Bohemian Rhapsody, the uh, life story of one Mr. Freddie Mercury from the band Queen. On October 12th, Eric Roberts tweeted, Trailer, movie, Oscar. For it's Rami Malek, the uh, actor who plays uh, Freddie Mercury in the movie. Seems like Eric is suggesting that Rami is going to get an Oscar nomination or win for this role. I have conflicting feelings about this Bohemian Rhapsody movie, Liam, and I think you probably know why that is. Oh, because you hate Queen? You're such a ridiculous person. Why would you suggest that I hate the band Queen? I don't know. I just you keep talking about it. It's crazy. It's so embarrassing. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't have strong positive or negative feelings on the band Queen, a band that I am very familiar with. My my complicated feelings have to do with the reports that this movie has been. Um, I guess they call it straight-washed in that they try to stay away from some of the more um, openly uh, controversial and also homosexual aspects of Freddie Mercury's life. Also, it was the fact that it was directed by Brian Singer, who um, is complicated for different reasons, Liam. Oh, I didn't even realize it was directed by Brian Singer. That's mm-hmm. actually upsetting. Mm-hmm. Well, Stephanie, do you have any mixed feelings on Bohemian Rhapsody or am I just being a big jerk about the whole thing? No, I'm not going to see it now. And it sucks because I'm a huge Queen fan. Um, But yeah, I just can't make myself see a Brian Singer movie. They say they say that he 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 left during production and just disappeared for a while. I mean, he's kind of a controversial figure. That's. Putting it mildly, yeah. Plus, great washing, if that's true, is ridiculous. Um, But I do think, well, when I read that Eric Roberts tweet, I thought he was proposing there should be an Oscar for trailers. Oh, maybe so. That's a great... I was like, good for you. The popular thing didn't work out. Trailer might work. And they're making all these changes to the Oscars anyway, so why not a best trailer Oscar? Liam... Mm-hmm. Over to you for a second. If they were giving out a Oscar for the best movie trailer ever, what should it go to? Ever? I don't even ever. Know. I have no idea. I've I for me, I very much enjoy trailers, but I don't mm-hmm. they don't stick around in my memory. I don't think about them for long afterwards. I really like trailers. I watch those trailer compilations all the time. I really do enjoy them quite a bit, but I do have to admit it would take a very special trailer for me to go back and revisit it. Like the uh, the Alfred Hitchcock one for Psycho, where he's going around the locations and things like that. Very unique trailer. 
I think I watch retro trailer uh, compilations, but that's because I'm I have a nostalgia for the these movies. A lot of which mm-hmm. on the my favorite ones I'm never going to see because you, it's like the only thing that exists anymore that I can find is a trailer. So like that part I kind of like, but the idea of a newer trailer, like even ones that I'm very impressed by, I still live in the probably false idea that what I'm excited for is the movie when it might very well be. I'm actually just excited because it's a good trailer and the movie ends up being disappointing. I sometimes watch that Prometheus trailer uh, and and dream about the movie that I wish had come of that. That's fair. Um, Stephanie Crawford, the greatest movie trailer of all time. What is it? I just don't remember trailers very much. I don't really get excited about them. I do like those retro trailer compilations. Mm -hmm. Um. But yeah, I don't. I guess okay. I'll just say Jurassic Park. That's a good trailer. Because when I saw that as a kid, I um, that was right in the thick of my dinosaur obsession. So that reminds me of that era. The era of the teaser trailer for Terminator Two, where they have the actual construction of the Terminator, and that got me so excited. But I was too young to see the movie, Liam. Because you know what I did since I was too young to see the movie, Liam? What'd you do? I bought the novelization and read it. <laughs> I did that. I did that with the Crow sequel. <laughs> Wait, so you didn't see Terminator Two? Not not in 1991. I was only 10 years old, so I wasn't able to watch it. Uh, my parents wouldn't let me. I forget that I'm – I think I'm older than you significantly. I don't think significantly. I, I, I – not only did I go to the theater to watch it, I took all of my friends and nobody was told they were too young to see it. Well, maybe it wasn't that I was um, – I was too, maybe it's just that your parents didn't care enough, Liam, about you to uh, shield you from uh, the the – uh, disturbing material in that movie. No, I get it, Doug. You come from a very restrictive uh, Christian cult living on that weird island you're from in, in the saw, wilds of Canada. I, I saw it the first day it came out on VHS. I was like, I'm watching this right now. Yeah, I I, uh, I suggested it for a birthday party and my mom was like, yes, yeah, that's cool. And no one's parents were like, no, you can't. They were just like, oh, great. You know, kids party to go see T2. Sounds good. On October 12th, Eric Roberts tweeted to, at Jimmy Kimmel Live and at Jimmy Kimmel, just to reinforce it, I don't like pinatas either. Now, this is obviously some a reference to something that appeared on the Jimmy Kimmel Live program. Uh, I just I only wanted to mention it for a second, Liam, because I've actually been, been uh, talking to my wife about this semi-recently. Are pinatas – I'm actually going to start with our guest, Stephanie Crawford. Are pinatas cultural appropriation? I guess it depends on who's using it. Yeah, very good point. What if I was using it? It would be very offensive if you were using it. I mean, I don't know. Maybe if it was like a Mountie and oh, but you, you kind of <laughs> use your elbows instead of a stick, like made it your own thing. Maybe that would be okay. I use a hockey stick. That would be pretty there great, actually. <laughs> or one of those curling uh, rocks and just like – so anyway – I you... You have you've given me some great ideas, but on a more serious note, Liam, considering that you're, of course, you have a very diverse background yourself, um, would you think that pinatas, my use of pinatas, would be uh, offensive in some way? I think this aspect of cultural appropriation as a concept is is a problem because the reality is 
if you go to Mexico, people want to sell you piñatas for you to use in the proper piñata way. So it's difficult to say I'm fucking, you know, plundering the cultural heritage of Mexico by buying this piñata that someone very much wants to sell me. I think that's different than taking someone's like uh deeply held religious ideas like when we take things from uh, uh let's say uh indigenous cultures mm-hmm. wherever they might be that for them are like sacred to their heritage and we make light of them or we turn them into goofy memes or whatever like that that's a different thing than something that is very much part of a culture but they're more than willing to sell to you because it's a product it's it's something that they would sell to whoever was interested in buying it it's 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 being itself as a product that's a little bit different to me and 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 i don't like how often we kind of paint that the same as someone saying well, there's a cultural tradition, which is not a product, but I am going to not only take it, I'm then going to make it a product myself and sell it for my own profit. That's a also a different situation. So I just think that that whole idea of cultural appropriation uh, needs to be like sussed out, like what exactly we're talking about, because sure. some things are much worse or more important than other things. Um, so like, you know, pinatas, it's like, yeah, they, you know, uh, it's it's like- not as big a deal. Liam, pivoting from that slightly, sim- simply because there's a lot of lot to unpack in what you just said. If, say, a Mexican immigrant was uh, selling me products in which I could use to celebrate Cinco de Mayo, sure. uh, th- is that the same thing? Because I think a lot of people would consider the celebration of Cinco de Mayo, if you have no Latino heritage, to be – could be considered offensive. I think the issue then with – for me – and again, this is obviously also going to be determined by somebody who's Mexican, and I'm Puerto Rican, so it doesn't really apply to me as much. But looking at it from my perspective, my thought is always the issue with Cinco de Mayo is it has nothing to do with you. Like most Americans don't even know what Cinco de Mayo really is. It's just an excuse to drink tequila. And um, if we were living in a culture in which Mexican – cultural heritage was valued in other ways i'd be less concerned so for example you could make a very compelling argument that the same sort of cultural appropriation is going on in saint patrick's day since the american celebration of saint patrick's day is completely divorced from either irishness or catholicism it's not related in any way it's just an excuse to drink but the reality is the situation of irish folks in america is not one of subjugation so it's hard to argue cultural appropriation of that thing because the conditions in which people are celebrating it is usually they relate to it in this like fake uh sort of like manufactured white way where being irish just means you drink a lot you know what i mean uh cinco de mayo on the other hand even if there are folks who are in some way profiting from it um the way that we treat it is we ignore what it's about we ignore the value of it and we took it without really even caring for that matter what it meant to someone else you know and that's the part where it becomes an issue uh but i also personally think (laughs) the cinco de mayo thing is not as deep as some people make it out to be um partly because i don't know that many people for whom cinco de mayo matters that they're like really feel that violated about it not as much as some of the other things we're willing to do like for example have sports uh, sports mascots that are actual racial caricatures of other people. Stephanie Crawford, what do you think about Gritty, the new mascot? Um, ambivalent. Ambivalent is perfectly reasonable. On October 5th, 
Eliza Roberts posted a vlog on the Eric Roberts YouTube page. And this is interesting. She actually, I guess, is starting to do vlogs on this. This was only a 41-second video, and it was called I Hate Pot. I watched this earlier today, and I can sum up her uh, feelings in the video in that she hates pot. She even mentions within the video uh, itself that the people that she loves enjoy pot very much, but she does not like it, does not elaborate very much on the topic. Uh, Stephanie Crawford, what are your feelings on pot? You know, just this upcoming week here in Ontario, Canada, where I live, it's about to be legalized in the next like three days. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Uh, yeah, I live in Las Vegas and they made mm-hmm. it legal here and it's it's been a great uh, boon to the community and the economy and everything and I love pot. Um, but I will say that at the end of this very short video, she said, and I will be talking about this in the future. Yeah. So I really hope she does like a Shane Dawson, like docu-series, but <laughs> each video is less than a minute, just like this one was. <laughs> well, I mean, I do hope she continues to do these vlogs. I I love hearing from Eliza and, and, and honestly, her perspective was a little surprising here. And I do hope she elaborates. Now, Liam, your feelings on drugs are well documented on this podcast stop it no they're not (laughs) (laughs) you hate drugs you think anyone who uses drugs is a bad person um you think that we should all be straight edge like you are and even this topic probably makes you just want to pull your hair out you are literally the worst person i've ever associated with (laughs) in my entire life Uh, yell that (laughs) <laughs> no, I, I, I he, uh, why do you always have to bring up things that are going to make me sound like a stupid doofball? Here's the deal. I have, I think that I'm not only am I for the legalization of pot, I'm uh, tempted to be for the legalization of all drugs and just let people work it out on their own. Personally, I do think that um, my problem with drugs stems more from the illegal market of it than it is from the thing itself. I don't really like inebriation and I don't love being around inebriated people, but I think anything that is an actual concern for me is more related to the idea of like, um, the various, uh, ways that these, uh, things are, are made both violently criminal, um, that we, have communities where people are subjugated because of them. And, and honestly for when I was younger and I was much more passionate about this as opposed to just being old and set Mm -hmm. my ways, Mm -hmm. uh, it was about creating a space for people who didn't want to participate. So like I was in environments in which if you didn't drink, then Uh you didn't know what the fuck to do. Like there was nothing for you. And really it was like, well, I'm going to make something and be part of something that provided something different. Uh, uh, and, Personally, even if I did have some of the issues you want to uh, prescribe to me that are not true, <laughs> uh-huh. I think I would still be for legalization because, like, why Why would I want something to be illegal just because I personally think it sucks? I mean, I don't think, like, you know, uh, backwards hats or fucking Uh-oh. Hummers <laughs> or vaping. Like, these things don't have to be illegal just because they suck. Hoverboards. Stephanie, I have a question for you. Do you think Liam should just blaze up and chill out? <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. I don't I don't know how I feel having it compared to like backwards hats and mm. various douchebag things. 
<laughs> Turn me around to, on the subject. To be to be fair, I think smoking pot is way less douchier than vaping. I don't like to drink, Liam. I just don't enjoy it. I don't enjoy being around people who are drinking. So I can see what you're saying. I felt pressured to drink a lot in my younger years. But I like now being able to choose what I do or do not do. And also not to feel those pressures within the company of people doing those things. I do very much think that uh, people who think alcohol should be legal and pot should be illegal are bad people who have bad opinions. Fair enough. Recently released on DVD slash Blu-ray slash VOD is 2018's Maximum Impact. I guess this is another movie called that. There's a lot of movies, I think, called Maximum Impact. This stars uh, martial artist Alexander Nevsky, Kelly Hugh, Tom Arnold, Danny Trejo, Bai Ling, and Eric Roberts, Liam. This is an action movie uh, where Eric Roberts plays a Secretary of State, Robert Jacobs. I was reading a review earlier where it mentioned that he seems a little engaged, more engaged in this movie than usual, uh, and that he has a big smile on his face for most of the movie. So, uh, and this review says that the movie itself isn't perfect, but it is a watchable action comedy. Liam, we should check out this Maximum Impact. I like action movies. I mean, we're at the point now that if anything gets a review that says it's watchable, it should jump to the top of our fucking list. (laughs) Liam, let's not jump ahead (laughs) to later in this episode. Uh, We need to do a quick Celebrity Island update. Over on Celebrity Island, we have Pete Wicks. I don't know who that is. And Bear Grylls, I do know who that is. They're clashing over what's been called... Pig Gate, which I guess is about uh, the eating of pigs. Uh, I think one of the uh, people on this island, just a reminder, by the way, for those who haven't been listening to recent episodes, Celebrity Island is a reality show that's currently airing in the UK, which features celebrities all, all having to work together and survive on some sort of island with the help, or maybe not, of Bear Grylls. And one of those celebrities is actor Eric Roberts, uh, who's had a very controversial time on the island so far. But I just wanted to mention that in this particular article from digitalspy.com, it mentions um, Pete, this Pete Wicks. He says, I wouldn't eat Eric Roberts if he died, so why should we eat Colin? And I don't know who Colin is, and I don't really know the context of this at all, but I really did want to talk about this idea of eating Eric Roberts. <laughs> Liam, your thoughts on the subject? He's so clearly past his prime, I don't even know hey now. what the point would be. Hey now. I'm saying, look at my man. He's not really in eating shape, right? Like, I've never raised livestock before, but I think Eric Roberts is at the point where you're either going to keep him forever or you're just going to let the wolves have him. Yeah, but in, in, I mean, again, I don't want to contradict you at all, Liam. I hate doing that. But in the film, uh, spoiler alert, Soylent Green, the idea in that movie is that people who are a little older – they were the ones who were being turned into Soylent Green, the delicious uh, meal replacement. Uh, and so it, it kind of focused on people who are a little older. No, you forgot, though. What what happens in Soylent Green? They're people. That's my uh, understanding. Right. But they, they, they're not you, – you don't chop them up and cook them like a fucking steak. You sure. work them. You work them into a meal. That's, yeah. that's not a respectable way to die. Right. Okay, okay. Got to interrupt you here, Liam, simply because you've had a lot of time to voice your sorry, opinion right, on this right. episode so far. Stephanie Crawford, eating Eric Roberts, yay or nay? Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he, he died. I didn't kill him just to eat him. Right. We're in a desperate situation. Mm. I do like jerky. I'd go for it. All right. Oh, and you know, he, he has been baking out in that hot uh, Celebrity Island sun for a long time, so he's probably already mostly jerkied. Yeah, jerky so, seasoning over decades. Yeah, I'd go for it. 
Honestly, I can't think of any reason not to eat Eric Roberts. And again, listeners of Eric Roberts is the fucking man. If you feel that what we're saying is in some way disgusting or you have a different opinion on the best way to prepare Eric Roberts for the purpose of eating, please let us know in the comments on ericrobertsdemand.com. Recently, uh, uh, or I should say, upcoming release called The Best Thanksgiving Ever from Gravitas Ventures on November 6th on multiple digital platforms. You can find this movie, Best Thanksgiving uh, Ever, uh, from first-time filmmaker David Paulus, who wrote and co-produced the film, which also features Eric Roberts and Costas Mandylor, the wonderful Costas Mandylor, who I think, what's he from, Liam? He's in the Saw movies, is that correct? I have no idea. All right. Filmed in suburban Detroit and Los Angeles, the story features, uh, sorry, the story focuses on Seal's character suffering the holiday heartbreak of his life. When all seems lost, however, his best friend comes to the rescue with what goes on to be a disastrous guy's night out, loosely based on actual events. That's best Thanksgiving ever uh, coming to VOD on November 6th. Liam, should we check that out? I mean, we kind of have to. We have to. You know, we haven't really mentioned the Blood Oath lately. I feel like we need to really kind of nail that on this episode, Liam. Why do we watch the life and work of actor Eric Roberts? Because we took a blood oath. We took a blood oath. And we, of course, when we met Eric Roberts and did a live podcast uh, with him, which is almost almost one year ago at this point, Liam, um, we asked, asked him uh, if he would uh, relieve us of our duty to uh, remain with his blood oath and to still watch the life and work of actor Eric Roberts. And he refused. He said we had to keep doing it, Liam. I know, and I kind of um, hate him for that. Hate him? Hate is such a strong word. You know what it makes me want to do, Liam? What? Eat him. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry to interject, but can I make mm-hmm. a suggestion? Please. These two topics merging together, and I think if you guys would like to make some money off this whole thing is a cookbook. There are so many great – look, here's the reason. This is the reason I like having Stephanie Crawford as a guest on Eric Roberts, the fucking man. We are not idea people. I had one good idea ever to make a podcast about the life and work of actor Eric Roberts. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not an idea person, and there we have Stephanie, who obviously is, giving us a million-dollar idea. And we can do whatever we want with it, Liam. How to serve Eric Roberts? Is that what we're suggesting? I, I don't follow you. <laughs> Yeah, and then people can say, wait, am I serving Eric Roberts or am I serving Eric Roberts? Ooh, that would be a bestseller. Yeah, it, both of them sound pretty good to me, actually. Recently added to the ever-expanding Eric Roberts IMDb page is the 2018 TV series The Mermaid. So I looked uh, this up. Uh, it's not actually a TV series that cu- currently exists. It is a 2016 short film. Uh, directed and starring a woman named Natalie Page Bentley, which is about an elusive mermaid pursued by an illegal treasure hunter. Uh, And I guess she's trying to turn this into a television series and is currently pitching it with a 60-minute pilot that features Eric Roberts, Maria Conchita Alonso, and Richard Tyson. Uh, Eric Roberts plays a character named Lieutenant... How would you pronounce that, Leo? Uh, Beligi? Why are there so many L's? There's <laughs> one too many L's. I think there's too many L's. It's B E L L L I G I Beligi. But yes, this uh, this is a project which may or may not uh, end up on some sort of network. I'm going to guess probably not, but we might be able to see the 16 minute pilot, 16 minute pilot at some point on YouTube or something. And if it does appear on YouTube, Liam, we will have to watch it because of our previously mentioned blood oath. Stephanie Crawford, what are your thoughts on mermaids? Do they exist? Is this something we should be worried about? 
Oh, like an active worry? Mm. Probably not. Um, I guess if you're a ocean fella and you have real keen ears and you're you have a weakness for women singing at you, then maybe. Um, I think you'd have to be fairly lonely. But man, that that is such a specific gumbo of a situation. I, I, I think most people are okay. Liam, are you concerned about the mermaid population and their effect on the minds of young men? No. Do you find mermaids appealing in, in a, I don't want to be too personal here, Liam, <laughs> uh, in a like sexual sense? When you think of mermaids, it's, is it something that you find sexually appealing? Um, I mean, I'm going to go ahead and say no, because of mm-hmm. the whole fish aspect. Uh-huh. Fish, fish just don't do it for me. I'll put it that way. So the idea of a woman who is half fish, but half woman, it that is a bridge too far for you. Yeah, I think so. Okay, I'm just asking. I do think that there's a fetish that exists for mermaids. Liam. You would definitely know a lot more about that than I would. I certainly would. Oh, don't worry, Stephanie. He thinks he's taking a shot at me. However, I'm a man of the world, Liam. I don't I don't just restrict myself or cut myself off from experiences. If you told me tomorrow, Doug, it's time for you to fuck that mermaid, I'd be like, I guess my time has come. I, not, uh, you know, uh, uh, no pun intended. And I will enjoy that experience to the best of my ability, Liam. Now, isn't it true, though, if, if the mermaid falls in love with you and you don't marry her, she turns into sea foam? Now, that, uh, that I believe, is just a rumor. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. I have I have horrible stereotypes of mermaids. Also, Liam, I should reiterate that I'm from the island of Newfoundland, where which is an island, and I lived next to the sea my entire life. We are a seafaring people. I am basically three quarters Viking and one quarter pirate. I am a man of the sea, so how come I couldn't find my love in the sea? We should talk to Jill about this. <laughs> Good thing she doesn't listen to this podcast. It's time for us to take our first break. But when we return, we need to get back to the spookiness. And when I say spooky, I mean the 1997, I believe it was a TV movie called The Shadow Men, which is about the men in black. Not those fun men in black. Not your Will Smith or your Tommy Lee Jones and whatnot. These are scary men in black who go after a family who have a UFO encounter. Now, if you are interested in UFOs and extraterrestrials and aliens, this is the episode for you. We're going to get into all sorts of spooky alien talk right after this. family has an alien encounter they call the air force to report the incident which leads to a visit by men in black who turn out to be spoiler alert alien human mutants 
In 1997's The Shadow Men, directed by Canadian director Timothy Bond. Very exciting for me, Liam, a Canadian director. He directed so much television. He directed episodes of Star Trek The Next Generation and ENG, which is uh, a uh, Canadian television series. The Edison Twins, which was a uh, young person's Canadian TV series. Episodes of Tech War, Liam, and Due South. This guy directed just about everything, and he also directed 1997's The Shadow Men. And now I want to just focus for a second on this 1997 year that this came out in. In 1997, there were two things that were popular. Those who were alive might remember. One of them was The X-Files, the television series that had kind of a sci-fi spookiness to it. And the other thing was the blockbuster summer movie, The Men in Black, featuring Tommy Lee Jones and Will Smith. And a very uh, a memorable theme song, uh, uh, sung by Will Smith. And those kind of crunch together and in a way to kind of uh, maybe uh, benefit slightly from the popularity of those two things. I think that is why we got 1997's The Shadow Men, starring Eric Roberts as Bob Wilson, the great Sherilyn Fenn from Twin Peaks uh, as his wife Des. Dean Stockwell, the legendary Dean Stockwell from Battlestar Galactica and Quantum Leap uh, and that movie where the president is a werewolf uh, as Stan Wills. And uh, the great Andrew Prine is here as one of the uh, the men in black. This movie, Liam and Stephanie, uh, I'm very curious to get both of your takes on it. Uh, it is a little slow moving, I would say. But one of the things I liked about it is that the family at the core, the Eric Roberts, Sherilyn uh, Fenn, they have a son. They're just a regular group of people they just encounter this extraordinary thing and suddenly are wrapped up in this huge conspiracy dean sockwell plays like a conspiracy uh, i'm not going to use the word nut that would be really unfair he's a he's a person who's very interested in ufos and he's presented as being very sympathetic uh and i think ufo enthusiasts really love this movie because of the portrayal of his character in this now with all of that in mind let's start with liam my co-host on the show tell me your thoughts on 1997's the Shadow Men. <laughs> was this not directed for television? I think it was. I think it was made for TV. It, it has that feel about it. Let me confirm that while you're talking about your thoughts. I know this is. It's actually an easy insult that people go to too often. Is when something is of a certain quality, they just go, oh, "Is this made for TV?" Right. Um, and that's a bit of a bummer because sometimes things that are made for TV are actually really great. Sure, uh, but for me. Knowing it's from 1997, the reason I asked about the television aspect is that um, 1997, which was my senior year in high school, just to show how old I am, was the year that I figured out that I didn't have to watch every poorly made, low budget thing just because it uh, was horror or had aliens in it or in some way reminded me of something else. That was the year I stopped watching so many TV movies just because they were on TV and I didn't want to do my homework. And I would not be surprised if I saw parts of this movie on TV because it felt this level of a rip off of X-Files and b just a general feeling that um, filming quality is irrelevant to making the movie. Uh, it, it felt painfully familiar to me. It, it felt like something I had sat through before. Um, it, it, the story could be quite riveting, right? This family's caught up in, in, uh, alien conspiracy stuff. No one believes them. Um, these, uh, these, me, uh, quote unquote men in black, uh, are threatening them and they are super strong and they know everything about them. And then they find a, uh, 
uh, ally and Dean Stockwell. And, you know, there's all this stuff happening. Um, and yet there is no exciting moment to this movie. At a certain point, uh, our man drives a Hummer off a ridge to mm-hmm. save them from aliens. And it's boring. And it's not that there's there's a grenade throw. Uh, Eric Roberts has a shotgun. None of these things are interesting. Even when a moment that should be very tense when they're when their son. What was the kid's name again? I, I keep forgetting. Is it Andy? Well, I mean, you do have a list in yeah. front of you, but the, yeah, Andy. Okay, that's what I thought. I thought it was. Well, I was like looking at this, going, I don't know which one of these is the fucking kid. It's the one with the last name Wilson. You know, like Bob Wilson and Des Wilson, his parents. <laughs> you know what, man? Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're such yes. an asshole. I was on a riff. I wasn't trying to read the names. Point so you didn't like it. Is that what you're trying to get at? Well, what this is what I'm saying. He's feeling a little ill. He wakes up from his nap and there's just blood everywhere. And this should be a shocking thing here. Sure. That, that this has happened. And, yeah, there's nothing. There's nothing there. I mean, there's it is, nothing there. It's, it's quite obviously a nosebleed, which, you know, kids do get. I mean, to be fair, his whole uh, fucking billabong shirt that he has on <laughs> is covered in fucking blood so it's not like a little nosebleed but yeah i mean it's also it turns out to be from a crystal shoved up his nose which <laughs> is played for no crystal. excitement at all <laughs> that is true and and i just to reiterate one thing you said liam the final like 15 minutes of this movie involve a night of the living dead-esque attack where a household is being attacked on all sides by these men in black who are like breaking through doors and things. And Eric Roberts has a shotgun. Sherilyn Fenn has a gun. At one point, she's attacked and her son gets the gun and blows one of these aliens away. And you're right. Somehow, it's still boring as fuck. Over to our guest today, Stephanie Crawford. Now, someone just yelled out boring as fuck. I don't want that to color your view on this movie. I also want to uh, to state here, you did not choose this movie in reality, I gave you a list of some uh, spooky, scary movies that you could choose from. This was the one that looked most interesting to you. Nobody is blaming you for the Shadow Men. But with that in mind, what did you think? You gave me a list of two movies. Two movies, a big list of spooky, scary movies. I just like that established. And I picked the one with Dean Stockwell and Sherilyn Fenn, you know? Absolutely. I, I was coming from a good place, you know? That said, I, I'm sorry. Hmm. Um,. Yeah, so you got you have the gorgeous Sherilyn Fenn, and she's a sweater mom. Yes. And that's not just her fashion choice. That's her entire character. She's the sweater mom. She's the put her arms around her jerky little kid and say, I don't know about these aliens. No, let's not, <laughs> let's not call the police. We'll look like weirdos. It took, and uh, Eric is um, a turtleneck dad. Mm-hmm. Both in in temp- temperament and fashion, he has a great, gorgeous, masculine beard, which I really enjoyed. But I don't feel like they did anything with it. I was really hoping that the beard would be more of a character in this movie. Yeah, like go work into the plot somehow. Like uh, I don't know, he scratches beard and like mm, I feel like there's aliens about something. I don't know. It didn't happen, and I agree. <laughs> the, if something obvious was going to happen, um, they were going to make sure it happened a few times. There, there's no <laughs> surprises in this. They'll 
There was one time where he actually said, it's not paranoia if they're really after you. Seriously. <laughs> not like a bumper sticker. Like, actually, seriously. So I, you're saying you have complicated feelings about this movie. I do. And there's so many times where it felt like the the director said, okay, um... Don't worry about the script. Just, uh, okay, like, uh, you're worried about your son, and you're on the lam, and just make it natural. Do that. Sure. And so he'd be like, I'm I'm just so so worried about uh, Andy. Um, this is crazy. Well, me too, but we're on the lam. This is what it is. Cut. Great. That's great. That's natural <laughs> and interesting. Let's leave that in there. One thing I did like about this movie is that the family – does seem to legitimately like each other. And I know that sounds kind of strange because they are very boring because of the fact that they like each other. But, you know, it's it's odd. Maybe it's just odd in 2018 to see a movie where it's just boring parents with their boring kid and they have to deal with this really strange circumstance where they're going out hiking and they're driving back late at night and they are abducted by some of the worst goddamn aliens you'll ever see in your entire life with, like, plastic heads from a Halloween shop. Anyway... It, to me, there was an appeal to that, but that's an appeal that only lasts as long as like 20 minutes. And after that, not so appealing anymore, I would say. But I don't want to talk about this movie right now. I'm going to take a little side trip to the world of aliens, because that is the kind of thing listeners want to hear about. I want to cha- chat with our guest and my co-host about whether they believe that the Earth has been visited by extraterrestrials. And uh, I don't know your thoughts on this at all. This is coming from a complete out-of-nowhere place, right from the stratosphere, I would say. Starting with you, Liam O'Donnell, do you think we've been visited by aliens? What's up with this abduction uh, stuff? I mean, I am agnostic on whether we've been literally uh, visited by aliens. Mm -hmm. However, I think the phenomena of UFOs is too widespread to be completely hysteria. So there I I so what I usually say to people is I believe in UFOs. I don't know if I believe in aliens. Uh but I do 100% think that there it's possible that there could be aliens. But the phenomena that is causing people to say that they were abducted by aliens could be all kinds of other shit. That is not literally beings from another planet. But I think something's happening. I don't think it's that people are crazy or it's mass hysteria or some other bullshit thing. The phenomena that people are describing happens in some way. I completely believe that. So you're a little wishy-washy on the topic. No, I feel like that's more serious than most people are. Like the thing is real. I just I'm just not sure that we have any good explanations of why it's happening. So you're not sure if it's aliens. You're just thinking that there's something going on and the government has something to do. (laughs) I definitely didn't say the government, though I will say of the various things I think the government is guilty of, uh, abducting people to do things to them that they don't want done to them is, you know, uh, uh, one of the least problematic on the list, actually. I think they're capable of much worse things than that. Some people have said, Liam, in recent years that one of the uh, defining things that proves to them that aliens do not exist, or at least have not visited Earth, is the fact that your president, uh, Donald Trump, uh, is such a doofus idiot that he would, if he discovered aliens existed, there's no way he'd be able to keep it to himself because he's a loudmouth goof. I, that is entirely 
possible. I will say, though, that um, A, we don't know. They've just managed to get him not to say it on the microphone. That doesn't mean he hasn't said it in other ways. And B, the fact that he also wants to put a lot of money into creating a space force has convinced a lot of alien uh, 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 conspiracy theorists that there obviously is aliens, and that's why he wants to put cops in space. Stephanie Crawford, have we been visited by aliens? And if so, what should we do about it? That's a complex question. Mm-hmm. And I have complex feelings about it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I, I grew up in New Mexico. Oh. Um, I almost, we ended up moving to Las Vegas. My family almost moved to Roswell. My dad uh, has a background in atmospheric physics and aerospace engineering, and he would always do uh, like contractor work on Air Force bases. Uh, so I was like a pseudo army brat, and he's a big sci-fi fan. Um, so my entire life, I would just be surrounded by everything. Um, and my dad was, you know, obviously very much into science, but he he loved the goofy stuff too. Um, he had a copy of the videotape of Alien Autopsy Factor. <laughs> uh, so um, it was very ever it was present. Um, my personal opinion is there are aliens, and I wouldn't be surprised if they've observed us in some way. But I think if you are a species that's mastered intergalactic travel, you're not going to like sloppily like stumble around here <laughs> and like leave people with like half vague memories. And it, it, I, I think it would just be honestly kind of from far away, just checking things out. And if they were actually like getting into us, we, we would have no idea. They would know how to clean that up. And honestly, they probably just wouldn't even worry about you. They'd probably just take you take you with them and you'll end up in like an alien dumpster situation. Or a zoo of some sort. Some sort of intergalactic zoo, Stephanie. Yeah, but I don't know. I figure maybe there'd be a few years of that and they'd realize how boring we are and they'd kind of mm. phase us out and find something interesting. I'll tell you. If they accidentally stumbled on this movie called The Shadow Men, they certainly wouldn't spend too much time on us because they think we're so damn boring. Back over to you, Liam. Liam, is there a god? Why do you why do you ask that? This is Eric Roberts. Is the fucking man? Let's talk about God. Is there a god, Liam? <laughs> I think that is a far too complicated question for Eric Roberts as the fucking man. If there's a god, Liam, is he an alien? <laughs> I see where you're going with this. Yeah, I see what's I see what's happening here. Let me reiterate that pot will be legalized in just a couple of days here in Canada. <laughs> um uh I I'm not particularly interested in um uh uh extraterrestrial theories of uh genesis of human life. I th- oh. I think that stuff is you know, it's fine, I guess, but a lot of the underlying stuff is still taken from that chariots of fire movie or chariots of Mm -hmm. the gods or whatever the fuck that movie is gods that's correct yeah is that what it is yeah that is a highly racist movie and in fact Mm -hmm. top to bottom racist and so it's really hard for anyone who has these sorts of like ancient alien theories to get past all the uh, obvious racism so uh 
So I, I can't really dig into that into that world. And and I'm also kind of thinking if it's not even really a question worth asking, because if any of that shit is real, it's very unlikely we're going to figure it out. So I, there's just other things I'm more interested in. Stephanie Crawford, if aliens are are if aliens are uh, uh, watching us and observing us in some way right now, what is the message that you would have for them? Uh, I'm sorry. Mm. We're <laughs> a fairly young planet. Um, a lot of our, I mean, America itself, we're, we're a young country, you know? I keep telling myself that. Like, we're sure. still learning, right? And this is a tough period. Anyway, yeah, I, I would just, like, apologize and say most of us mean well, but we clearly don't know what we're doing. I don't know. I guess you can blow us up. Just don't make it slow and painful, please. Just make it instantaneous. Yeah, I think I would just ask for a quick, painless death. Oh my goodness! Some some harsh and uh and and sobering words from Stephanie Crawford. Stephanie, what's the best planet in our solar system? Um, I've always been partial to Jupiter. Jupiter's pretty great. Liam, same question. I don't know. Uh, you don't have to know. Just say what's your favorite planet. I gotta go with the home. I got no. I gotta go with the home oh team. Oh my god! I'm always really? gonna go with the home team. Oh, 100. I love Earth. I love gritty. And uh, unless <laughs> unless the fucking unless the fucking aliens really show that they have something to show for it, I would 100 join the alien murder squad and murder whatever aliens come to the planet. <laughs> the correct yeah, answer. This dirt ball. <laughs> really would. I'd be I like, changed my mind. Sucks here, but. You know, I give up all. I've I've said this many times. My pacifism goes out the window when it, when aliens show up. If we oh invade alien force, I'm like, give me a gun. Let's do this thing. So wait, Steph's message to the aliens were was, I'm sorry. Your message is, come and get it. This is our Independence Day. I mean, literally, it's like, have they come in peace? No. Then let's murder some aliens. Welcome to Earth, says Liam O'Donnell. Um, Okay, well, that's a divergent thinking here on Eric Roberts <laughs> is the fucking man. Uh, again, in the recent episodes, I've been trying to stay positive. It's kind of a necessary thing because we watched some movies that have not been so uh, great. So uh, in the interest of staying positive, Liam, tell me one thing in this movie that you really enjoyed. Um, that's a good question. I liked the idea that we were in 1997 still in a space where Eric Roberts could find the internet entirely confusing and confounding and not be immediately fired. Like if, 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 if in today's world, he he's been using that computer, Liam, as a, as a, as a, what was it? A rest place a for coaster. his coffee, a coaster. He's been using the That's computer a, as a coaster. You imagine anyone in today's workplace being like, I don't get all this computer internet stuff. It's crazy. <laughs> yes. Like, I can imagine that. <laughs> oh God. I'm sorry. I guess you're right. In certain places, that would still be acceptable. But I, I don't know. It's just that whole aspect of the movie was so quaint and ridiculous to me that it like really made me laugh. That was the scene that starred uh, David Bow. Oh. Uh, I'm not just just calm down, Liam. <laughs> 
David Bowe, of course, the co-star of the classic Weird Al comedy UHF, uh, his one, I think, starring role. Uh, I, I, maybe his name is pronounced Bowie. You, at one point, Liam, uh, had confused him for uh, the David Bowie, the famous singer who passed away just uh, a couple of years back. But he was not that. Instead, this was the... The goofball from UHF who shows up in one scene. And what does he call himself in that scene, uh, Liam? Oh, I don't know. Does he call him, like, Mr. Internet or something like that? He sits down and he asks if he wants Eric Roberts to, uh, to for him to look up information on avocados or aliens. And, Liam, and Eric Roberts looks at him and he just quite seriously says aliens. And that's how he finds out all the information it was about very, aliens. It was very weird that that, that whole scene revolved around David Bowe. Um, who I didn't literally confuse him. His name came up, and I looked at it quickly and thought it said David Bowie. Was very confused. Um, I missed that internet. But that whole, an alien that whole scene mm-hmm. resolves around him looking at Eric Roberts' desk and being literally offended that there are books on it. Like he's so like, why are all these books here? Which is also weird because here we are <laughs> in 2017, 2017, 2018. With magic phones in our pockets, I still use books all the time. Like it's oh, not, you're old fashioned, Liam. Uh, I 100 percent books are still here and they haven't disappeared. <laughs> well, I live paperlessly, so I don't know about. It. Anyway, over to our guest uh, Stephanie Crawford. Steph, um, na- say one good thing about this movie. What was something that you enjoyed about it? Well, there are a few things. Actually. Sure, let's list them. Well, I do want to piggyback off that internet thing a little bit Mm -hmm. because that was great. Just the big deal they made about it. Especially like, oh, I know hackers. Don't worry. They'll figure this out. (laughs) And like they had their alien video like analyzed to prove it was real. And it came in like on a printout fact. Like, yep, the fact says this thing has not been tampered with. Dean Stockwell has a bunch of teenager hackers that he's in contact with. (laughs) Like, I I wish the movie was about just the building and developing of that relationship. I think that would have been amazing. Um, And also pro books. There's a cute scene where Eric Roberts falls asleep on the couch with a a book that just says UFO is really big on the cover. And she like comes to gently wake him up and it's like, oh, he fell asleep reading his UFO book. He's trying to figure everything out. That's so sweet. I don't know. I thought that was cute. But my favorite part is as boring as this family is, they name their dog Anthrax. Yes, they do. They named their dog Anthrax. <laughs> I think it's like they're trying like to spruce up the script a little bit. It's like we got to have something interesting going on here. At least make them weird about how they're naming their dog. Yeah, I but mean, I, it made me wonder. I was waiting for them to, like, I don't know, the kid to wander in in an anthrax shirt or being like, oh, do you remember that anthrax scare that we all survived together two years ago? Thank <laughs> God. Something. But nothing. Which is kind of interesting. It is very interesting. I do want to say something nice. I want to join in the niceties about this movie. There are two sequences which have very impressive dummies in this movie. One comes at the very beginning where Dean Stockwell is uh, running away from the men in black. And he crashes a car. And the woman who's in his passenger seat, I guess she's like a reporter or something. She goes crashing through the front window and dies. And then seconds later, the whole car blows up. And when it does, 
the woman who has now been replaced by a woman-shaped dummy, it goes flying into the air and it's really great and terrific. And the other moment is something that Liam already referenced. There's a moment near the end where Dean Stockwell comes to the rescue driving a large Hummer. It's kind of ironic, actually, that he saved us with the Hummer when the Hummers actually helped kill the whole planet. But the Hummer came crashing through and it mows down one of the men in black and he was a dummy briefly as well. And I was very impressed and enjoyed those two simple moments of violence in this generally very antiseptic movie. Oh, wait, I'm still the host. Over to you once more, Liam, before we get to the topic of Eric Roberts. Describe the aliens in this movie, or more specifically, describe the men in black once we they are revealed to be a- alien-human hybrids in this movie. Well, I mean, they do show alien aliens, which are just um, <laughs> your most obvious little, you know, grays. Uh, mass, just the worst possible mask you could imagine. It's but pretty then the, bad. Then the men in black just seem like your average angry white men who work for the government, but then when their uh, glasses, their sunglasses come off, they have weird black eyes, which uh-huh. I guess means that they're uh, hybrid human aliens. Um, and they, they do seem super strong at various points. Um, so I guess that makes sense. I don't know. It was very weird. Uh, one of them gets beaten by Eric Roberts, with a very large piece of lumber for a very <laughs> extended piece of time, period of time in which gray fluid leaks out of his body. And then he just gets up like it's like totally NBD. And it's, you know, he's just going to go on with his day. And we are also uh, shown in flashes, Stephanie, uh, what the alien abduction looks like. How does that play out in the movie? Uh, pretty much like you say, it's um, it's like... <laughs> When it gets really fuzzy and mm-hmm. like there's several cheesecloths over the, the lens. <laughs> and then just like the goofiest little gray men outfits going like, hi, we we are also from Alien Autopsy Factor Fiction. No Jonathan <laughs> Freaks here, though. It's just us, but it's okay. I mean, because, yeah, like you mentioned, that opening scene was real action-packed and was really sure. cool. And then I would see the, the alien flashback things. I was like, oh, so it's a comedy? But no, I... It, <laughs> no. Yeah, it's, it's... They're great comedy aliens. They are great comedy aliens. If this was like, some... like Scary Movie 4, I think that's the one where they ran out of new horror movies, so they did Signs. <laughs> And they just had aliens in it. They would have been great in that. But alas, it wasn't science or a movie making fun of science. It was a serious movie. In fact, this movie is pretty serious from beginning to end. And one of the big parts of that seriousness is one Mr. Eric Roberts, who plays the patriarch of the Wilson family, Bob Wilson. Very interesting name. Um, Let's talk about Eric Roberts in this movie. He does sport a beard. He does have a turtleneck. He does like to hike with his family. Uh, He does try to uh, wield a shotgun, even though he says that he's never shot a gun before in the climax of the movie and has to be rescued by Dean Stockwell. Staying with you for a moment, Stephanie, what did you think of Eric Roberts in this movie? Yeah, I I liked him. He was a a good, supportive, nice dad and husband. Mm -hmm. They did have a scene where they were all real uh, snappy to each other at the breakfast table because it's that classic abduction uh, symptom where you lose time and you also become very agitated. So they did have one scene of being a grouchy family. But other than that, um, it was almost like a classic 
um, younger Eric Roberts role in a way where, well, it, it oddly reminded me of a more mellow version of him uh, in the ambulance where he's just very amiably going oh. through everything. Mm. Like no matter what happens, he's like, yeah, okay. All right. The, we'll, we'll go on the lamb. Okay. Dean Stockwell seems to know what he's talking about. Let's, let's go to his ranch. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I agree. Uh, he, he's very amiable. I think that's the way to describe his character. Even in that sniping session with his wife, the suggestion is that both of them have not been sleeping well, that they're a little traumatized by what they experienced, and they immediately recognize that they're both being assholes and apologize to each other, which is very nice, even if it doesn't make for the most stirring uh, viewing. Liam, Eric Roberts in this movie, what did you think? Yeah, he sort of has that very serious uh, Eric Roberts tone, you know, like he does when he's playing a kind of a straight, normal character who's very concerned, you know, Uh, and he's using that concerned voice a lot. And he's he does a lot of explaining um, uh, things. Well, he gets a little upset with the police. Um, and there's a there's a scene with his son in the car that I actually thought was kind of funny because they they really just made total fools to themselves at the at the uh, the police station mm-hmm. and they end up just kind of laughing about it. like they're upset at first but they're kind of laughing about it and I just thought that was like such a weird fucking scene. Um, but but his first response to uh, his son was just like, well, we look like crazy people, Andy. And I was just like, <laughs> all right, Eric getting a little worked up there. But most of the movie is just him like sort of expressing his concern. He has, you know, tell, telling Cheryl Fenn like, well, we, you know, let's just wait a little longer and see what happens or let's go see this doctor. Like it, it's kind of one note um, in some ways. Like he doesn't get super upset. Uh, but towards the end when he's trying to be like, you know, he's got this shotgun and he looks very awkward with the shotgun um, and very much like it, he doesn't suddenly switch into like I'm an action star now. He still kind of looks like I'm a weird dad who's not quite sure what's going to happen. Sure. As opposed to, by the way, in in that scene, what was weird was Cheryl Fenn came out shooting like, fuck all <laughs> these fuck all these fuckers. I'm, I'm going to kill everybody. That was actually a little more off putting. But um. I kind of like that aspect of of him sort of owning this very awkward dad character. Is like I don't even know what I'm doing right now. When he throws out the grenade, it's like he's never seen a grenade. Like who at this point in American cinema, everyone knows how to throw a grenade. You've seen it in the movies a million times. My man throws it like it's a water balloon. Like he just doesn't know what's going on. And I, I kind of liked that he owned that bumbling nature, even if when it comes to Eric Roberts, that's not really what I want from him. What I want from him is a little more of the freaking out. I, I, I see exactly what you're saying there, Liam. He does envelop that character well, even if it isn't the character I really want to see from him. And a little bit of that nervous energy, which we mentioned a lot on this show, that he had in some of his earlier memorable roles like Pope of Greenwich Village and Runaway Train, that sort of thing where he's a little in a little over his head and is freaking out a bit. In, instead of seeing him cool and collected, it kind of would have been nice to see him losing it a little, considering the circumstances that him and his yeah, family there are. there are aliens, goddamn. <laughs> I like how his wife rushed his son to the hospital because he didn't think it was serious enough to bring him and uh, to the uh, doctor, I should say. And she didn't even tell him about the nosebleed. And he was right. It ended up not being serious at all, except for the tracking device that was in his nose, which was made out of some sort of crystal. That does bring us to the theme of this show, 
the very uh, concept behind it, which is whether Eric Roberts is the fucking man in 1997's The Shadow Man. I feel like this is a difficult decision on the part of our guest today, Stephanie, and my co-host, Liam. Liam, starting with you, is Eric Roberts the fucking man? It is hard because I don't love uh, declaring him the man for performances that feel... um, not bad, but just not fully Eric. On the other hand, he's not terrible, even though this movie is awful. He is not bad in it, and he doesn't do anything offensive, unlike some of the movies that we've watched lately. So I'm going to go with that he's the man. Okay. Oh, very. Uh, I, I like that, Liam. Sometimes I feel like you're a little hard on our uh, namesake, uh, and you... you, you... You are resistant to the idea, but sometimes, sometimes you just need to lean into it and tell the world that Eric Roberts is the fucking man. Stephanie Crawford, is Eric Roberts the fucking man in 1997's The Shadow Man? All right, I'll be the negative one. Oh, boy. <laughs> He's a shadow of the fucking man. Oh. That's like the title. The title of this movie is The Shadow Man. Hey, you, you got might... it. Uh-huh. Yeah. I put you're, two... you're good at jokes. I put two and two together on that one. Um, well, I guess I'm going to be the tiebreaker once again. And I'll tell you what. Liam thinks I'm so predictable. Eat this, Liam. I do not think Eric Roberts is the fucking 97s. Uh, the Shadow Man. It is – it's not a weak performance or anything along those lines. However, it was really up to him to make this interesting. And instead, he kind of just fell on the side of bland. Uh, and, you know, it, I use that word amiable. Amiable is not a compliment in any way, shape, or form. It just isn't. Amiable just means that you're very passive to what's happening here. With this cast, even with the, the plot being what it is, even with the uh, the kind of um, subject matter that it's trying to cover, with this cast, there could have been something interesting and unique going on. Dean Stockwell does have signs of life with his character, but then again, he is a more interesting character generally. It really was up to Eric to sort of bring it and kind of uh, bring his character to another level, and he just doesn't do it. So I'm going to say for this purpose, for 1997's The Shadow Man, Eric Roberts is not the fucking man. What do you have to say about that, Liam? I mean, while it is... bowled over! While it is unpredictable in one sense, it allows you to basically betray me, which is very uh-huh. predictable. So I will say that actually I'm not surprised at all. Look, you're exactly right. Any chance I have to betray you, <laughs> I will always do it. It is in my nature as a Canadian, but uh, I'm glad that you recognize that I am in the right, Liam, and thank you so much for saying that. Um, we're going to take our final break. When we come back, we're going to do some plugging. I'm going to thank our guests, and we're going to say good night. <laughs> Western Bay and it serves a hundred ships a day. Lonely sailors pass the time away and talk about their homes. And there's a girl in this harbor town and she works laying whiskey down. They say brandy, fetch another round. She serves them whiskey and wine. The sailors say brandy. Be. 
And that was episode number 85 of Eric Roberts is the fucking man. I want to give a massive, huge, endless thank you to our guest today, Stephanie Crawford, one of our favorite guests here on the show, someone who always brings a lot of personality. I feel like that's kind of a weird thing to say. It brings a lot of personality. You got a lot of personality, Stephanie, but you're also fun. You're also someone who gets it. You're also someone who is a joy to talk to, even when it comes to movies like The Shadow Men, which are a little complex in our feelings because of how dull they are. Stephanie, where are you in the world? Where can people find you on the internet? Um, I co-host the Screencast podcast. Um, and you can find me on Twitter. I'm Scrawfish there, and everything I do is there. So. On Twitter. Now, is Twitter good, Stephanie? Should people should people uh, sign up to Twitter? Um, ooh, well, hmm. <laughs> oh, you meant that as a quick question, but it's actually very complicated. Yes. I'm going to say at this point, nah, if you've avoided it until now, you don't need to get into it. I'll, I'll concur on that. I used to be a big proponent, and now I feel like maybe if you're there, hey, we're all stuck in that boat together. Do not climb into that boat. You probably won't enjoy yourself. Liam, would you agree with that? Is Twitter now a toxic place that we should all stay away from? No. Okay. All right. Well, um, Liam, where can people find you on the internet? Well, not on Twitter. I hate it when people follow me on Twitter. At Liam Rules, are you No, don't do it! Don't say it! No! I hate it! <laughs> Just follow Cinepunks. That's all that matters. Uh-huh. That's all I have to say. Oh, is it? Because I'll tell you, Liam, this is... Uh, we're recording this uh, right about the midpoint of October. We since, are! And since our last episode, you launched, relaunched your... Well, I should say revamped your Cinepunks.com website. And there's so much great content. Really interesting Halloween themed content on that site right now and the site looks so nice and spiffy someone did a really great job did a lot of work on it probably deserves a little bit of credit here on this episode of eric roberts unfortunately i don't know who that person was they disappeared into the night well i'll tell you whoever it is he must have been he or she must have been just the best samaritan like the good samaritan i know that's a reference that you'll appreciate technically i didn't do shit doug tilly oh the cinepunk site and relaunched it and i just said yeah that's cool yeah, that looks good. Yeah, that's good. Keep it all, Liam, all Liam did was every three weeks or so say, how's that website coming along? <laughs> I mean, it was more like every two months. but That's, that's true. It took me a really, really long time. And I appreciated Liam's patience. Oh, it you should... very good. Yeah, it's over. At, you can check it out, cinepunks.com. Uh, I mean, I'm not exaggerating. There's tons and tons of great content on there right now. Podcasts, articles, articles, podcasts, and... <laughs> Also, some some content that will be out uh, from me soon. I've been working on it over the last couple of days, Liam. Some really interesting stuff. Yeah, I, I can't wait for you to uh, actually things. Why don't you go fuck yourself, Liam? <laughs> <laughs> I definitely did mean for it to come out that way, and then when it did, I thought oh, I'm sticking with it. <laughs> I spent so much anyway. Anyway, <laughs> I love you. To, I'm just kidding. <laughs> go over to cinepunks.com and check out all the uh, content there and follow Liam on Twitter at Liam Rules. That's R U L Z. You can also follow me on Twitter. I'm Doug underscore Tilly. That's T I L L E Y. And you can uh, follow Eric Roberts is the fucking man on Twitter at Eric Roberts is the man. Actually, that's not it at all. It's at E R I T F M. But you can go over to Eric Roberts is the man.com to find our latest episodes as well as subscribe via iTunes. Maybe I should get that on Spotify. It's about time. I think that I do. Uh, you can also follow us on Facebook over there. Just look up Eric Roberts is the man on 
Facebook. Uh, you can uh, find my other podcast, No Budget Nightmares, over at NoBudgetPodcast.com. We talk about low-budget, ultra-micro-budget uh, cinema on that. Our most recent episode was about a German film called Operation Dance Sensation from the year 2003. Check that out at NoBudgetPodcast.com. But with that all said, I think it's time to say goodnight. We need to put the aliens to bed. They need to return to their craft, back into the stratosphere, back into the universe. They're going to be monitoring us from afar until our next episode of Eric Roberts is the fucking man. We'll be back in just a couple of weeks. Good night, everybody. Eric Roberts is the fucking man. Eric Roberts is the fucking man. Eric Roberts is the fucking man. If there's anything that you can do, Eric Roberts fucking can. <laughs>